Good morning. My name's Peter, one of the pastors here at City Harvest, and uh, just want to welcome you and say I am glad you're here today, and uh, I'm glad that we can be real and that we can be honest. How many of you have something that God showed you that you feel is something that he's asking you to bring before him and to trust him? And we bring those things before him and, you know, we're here to encourage one another in that. We don't walk in to try to show off how good we're doing or how amazing we are. We come in, yeah, we're pursuing the cross, but each one of us has different things that God is dealing inside of us. And, you know, today's a, we usually try to take the Sunday before Thanksgiving and you'll never guess it. We try to focus on being thankful. <laughs> really creative idea. Took us a long time to come up with it. And, uh, but today, you know, as we've been going through this, this series on really looking at the Israelites and and how God started with Abraham and he wanted to call out this family and he wanted to have them be set apart, meaning that they looked different, that they chose to let go of certain things that others had the right to maybe hold on to or things that brought destruction but maybe felt good in the moment to let go of those things, to be set apart. So that through that set-apartness, one, he could dwell with them. And two, so that he could reveal himself to the rest of the world through them. And that it would become clear that it wasn't them that made them so special, but it was him inside of them. Yeah. Through their journey, all sorts of things took place. And just like you and I, through their journey, they responded negatively. They, they, they didn't, uh, uh, they got impatient. Anybody here ever been impatient? They got frustrated and grumbled. Any grumblers? They even started accusing others. Anybody here ever point a finger? And they turned, and then they also did self-gratification, instant gratification. They needed something, and they got impatient with God, and so they would create their own God in the place. They go through this whole journey, and we've gone through, and today we're kind of beginning the book of Deuteronomy. We'll go into it in more detail next week. But at the beginning, the first five chapters, Moses is there. They're about ready to enter the promised land, and he's reminding them something. This is his, kind of his last big speech. It's kind of final words. He had a lot of them, but the final ones and kind of given a charge because he's not going to enter the promised land with them. And so he wants them to remember some things. He's giving these last bits of instruction and he's, he's calling them into something. And uh, so, but one of the things he does as he goes through and he reminds them is then he talks and he says how important it is for the generations to share to the next generation God's faithfulness and what he's doing. Because otherwise we forget. You know, we sang some songs today about remembering. And sometimes, I'll be honest, I can be where I just kind of sing it. And I was just singing words. But when I slow down to remember what God, I, this last week I, I went to a cabin to kind of just get away and pray. And um, 
I all of a sudden started missing Tamar. And I looked at my phone and I have a picture of her on my phone that I just love. And as I looked at it, and she's kind of given a weird face, and um, I, I looked at it, it made me miss. Now, but what was what it does though is I didn't just miss like, it didn't make me just reflect on, man, I just wanna, I wanna get home. What it did is what I was missing is who she is in my life and missing who she's been in my life. So where did my mind then go? It went to remembering who Tamar is to me and what she brings in my life and how much, even as I dig into scripture and I pray, I like talking with her about it and I like processing with her about it. But it's that remembering and that's exactly what God wants us to do. Because from a place of remembrance, we become more thankful. Many times when we're not very thankful or we feel like we don't have joy, the issue is we're not remembering. Or what we're focusing on is just negative things because God has been faithful to every single one of us. Do we have garbage in our life? Yes. Do we have pain in our life? Yes. Do we hit roadblocks? Absolutely. But he's still faithful. And we can look and remember back at that. And so that's what we're going to do today. So I had um, a couple volunteers, voluntolds actually is what they are. <laughs> if you are one of the five voluntolds, will you come up here? Kind of quickly in a sense. Oh, sorry, not yet. Not that voluntold. You guys are a different set of voluntolds. You guys are the older voluntolds. These are the younger voluntolds. <laughs> All right, now who said you wanted the shortest one? That was you? Okay. Let's see. We're going to read. So if you don't have your Bible, will you? I don't mean to say it that way. We're going to open our Bibles. Just forget that I said that. We're going to open our Bibles and we're going to read together out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you need a Bible, uh, maybe you already have three sitting next to you, but you would just like the translation we're going to read out of. Will you raise your hand because we all want to read together and we're not putting the verses up on the screen and so that you are able to read along. And will you hit uh, the light setting, Q light setting 5 to help everybody with their reading. There we go. Cue lights. Feel it in the room. You guys ready to read the word of God? Okay, does anybody, will you raise your hand if you need a Bible and just leave it up until they get it to you? Okay, this one looks like the shortest. So that means you're going to go second. How about you go first? And you go third. And you go fourth. I'm reading out of the New Living today. Um, Mr. McFerrin, will you come up here and voluntold and read the last one with enthusiasm? Okay, so here we go. We're going we're gonna to read. Now, will you guys say what verse, it's where it says V, and then it has a number hyphen, another number, and so that they know, because we're going to skip a couple verses, not because they're not important verses, okay? I'm not, we're not doing that, but just... 
for us to get through this. So this is what Moses is telling the people, and this is what we're doing today. Oh, you do need a microphone. Sorry. Okay. Um, it's verse 1 through 3. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Oh, listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord with you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit to yourself wholeheartedly to those commands that I'm giving you today. Who has uh, seven through nine? Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. All right, verse 18 through 20. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so all will go well with you. Then you will enter the, uh, and occupy the good land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors. You will drive out all the enemies living in the land, just as the Lord said you would. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to, do, to obey? Verse 21 through 25. Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. Can you guys give these voluntolds a hand? Thank you, guys. So if you follow along, if you heard it, there is, there's a theme of remembrance. And there's a theme that we aren't supposed to just move on. Yeah, we, we need to have boldness and move towards whatever it is God's calling us to. But we're, we're not anchored in where we're going. We're anchored in who he is. And we're, we're remembering what he's taken us from. And that becomes our strength. Because where we're going is going to have its own hardships. Where we're going is going to have its own difficulties. And we'll be swayed around with where God wants to take us if we forget to be anchored in what and remember where we've come from and what he's doing in our life. And so what the importance was about remembering, but not just each one of us remembering our own story, but hearing the story collective and hearing what God's done in all of us. And so today we have um, some others that are going to share and they're just going to share hope and they're going to 
remind us of who God is using a little bit of their own story and what God has done in their life. And so first up, will you guys just welcome enthusiastically Linda Olin. Keep it up. Here we go. She loves this. Okay, so this is not my forte, obviously. Thank you, Pete. Um, when I was asked to share, I was extremely nervous. I still am, but I will get through this. Um, the message that I have may be for maybe the younger, well, it is the younger generation, married, unmarried. Um, this started about, well, when we were first married, back in the 70s, and uh, God is faithful, God is good, and I thank him for what he has done in our lives. We had not much of anything. We had a small 855-square-foot home. That's tiny, two-bedroom, three children. And we didn't have, a, like I say, we didn't have a lot. We started going to church in the late 70s and on a regular basis. And one of, the, one of the pastors was talking about tithing. And, of course, I said, huh, really? My husband's used to it. You know, he, he was brought up in that. I was not. So we met with our pastor. And he... We, we sat across from him, and he said, you can't afford not to tithe. And I said, well, we don't have that much money to tithe. I said, we're barely making it the way it is now. And he said, Linda, it's not the 10% that you will be tithing. It's what you do with the other 90 of course, at that moment, I wanted to reach across his desk and slap him <laughs> because he didn't know what our financial situation was, and it was pretty bad. So Dorna and I talked about it. We decided to tithe, and of course, I paid the bills, so it's my responsibility to write the checks, okay? I did, and I got to the point where I wrote the first check out of, we got paid every two weeks, the first check that I wrote was to God. That was the very first one. Then I paid our bills, and then we ate. God was faithful. God was faithful. We went from that small house to a larger one. Didn't know how we were going to afford it. God was faithful. We did. We made it. We, Doran got offered a job in Portland. We were living in Longview, Kelso at the time. Doran got offered a job in Portland, which meant we would have to move away from both of our families. 
not, not an easy task. It was 30, and we decided, we prayed. We, he took the job. <clears throat> we moved to Vancouver and not Portland. Thank the God, God on that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And that was in 1987. Um, God helped us get into another house. It was still, you know, we're, this is nine, ten years later. We're, we're still wondering, you know, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this, but things are really tight. Well, when he moved down here, it was like a $20,000 promotion. And I thought, oh, we're living in hog heaven now. <laughs> Not really, but so we did. We moved down, and within a year's time, Dorn got another promotion. And then he got another promotion. And just through all of this, God never left us. He was always with us. So I just encourage you, if there are some of you out there that don't think you can make it, go to God. He's not going to forget you. He loves you. He knows your situation. And he will be there for you. But you got to trust in him. God is never early, and he's never late. He's right on time. Awesome. She did make me promise that if she said yes this time, I would never ask her again. <laughs> did I answer that? I don't know. We'll see. You know, what a great reminder. And what I was thinking of as she was talking was the idea that a lot of times it's easy, whether we're talking finances or other things, to have the mindset that I'll believe it when I see it. So if we're talking finances, it's like, well, God, if you give me a raise, then I'll start giving in this capacity or I'll start doing this. And I, I promise I'll be faithful. But, you know, Lord, I really need you to be the one. It's kind of like we're outside of the boat and God's in the boat. And we're like, you know, I just need you to come. I need you to walk on water and I need you to come out. And if you do, then I'll believe in you and then I will trust you. But really it's we're going to actually see it when we then believe, when we believe it first. And so Jesus called Peter out onto the water and he didn't actually see that he could walk on the water until he got out of the boat. And that is at the place where God starts to provide. And so a lot of times we're praying for something to shift. And in this analogy, uh, what Linda shared, even in uh, finances, whether it be a promotion or a new job or something like that. And I just want to say, if you do live in Portland, uh, we appreciate you being a missionary over there. <laughs> but a lot of us are glad to live here because um, Vancouver, I mean, there's no crime here. Um, everybody is so nice, and uh, it, it's great. I haven't had any of my Cadillac converters stolen um, in the last two years. Actually, I've had two. But uh, God is faithful, and we see his faithfulness when we step out. And, you know, even in the area of, as Linda was talking about tithing, is it's the one area where God actually says, test me. Test me. Try me. I don't know if you've ever said that to somebody. I've said, you know, like, try me. 
Give me your best shot. And God is saying that. He, it's, hey, test me. Walk out in faith and just watch what happens and see what happens in that way. So thank you very much, Linda. All right, our next sharing. Now, in kids, I want you to know that this isn't just, um, and I say this in all respect, but I'm just speaking kid language. This isn't just old people talking to old people, okay? These are seasoned veterans. No, these are people, why we're listening to these stories is because there comes a day in each one of our lives where we're in so in the, the, the thick of it, in the midst of it, that we can't see God's faithfulness. We can't see what's happening because we're so burdened with either what's going on in our own, say, marriage, or what's going on in our own finances, or what's going on in our own relationships, or whatever it might be. And so the, this message isn't just old people to old people. We all need to hear it, no matter what our age is, to be encouraged. So here we go. Vicki Robinson, will you guys welcome Vicki Robinson to the stage? She has notes in her notebook and her phone. So sit back, relax, and get ready. Pete said I had five hours, right? <laughs> okay, so I probably won't even look at my notes, but I'm going to open them just in case. When it comes to being thankful, let me tell you, I could talk for hours and hours and hours because um, if you don't have a thankful heart, you don't have anything. I mean, you really don't. When, when Pete asked me without hesitation, I said yes, and I just immediately said, God, what, what, what do you want me to bring home on this? And first thing he said is, it's a perspective. The word thankfulness is a perspective. It's what you look at, how you think of it. Okay, I could share my life and tell you what I've gone through. Okay, my life has not been easy, okay? Um, but I really feel like I shouldn't focus on the, that because that's all negative. Um, I was not born and raised in a Christian home. I did not commit my life to Christ until I was right before my 16th birthday. So you teenagers out there, let me tell you, you got, you got what it takes, okay? We need to hear from you. You need to hear from us. But when I committed my life to Christ, at that very moment, it was the first time in my life that I felt loved. I felt so loved by somebody that I couldn't see, but I could feel his love just saturating me. And at that moment, this thankfulness just penetrated in my heart. And it's like, from then on, I have decided, you know what? No matter what I'm going through, when our son died... I was thankful because I knew God had a hand in it. I get to see my son someday. He's going to reunite with us in heaven. When our son was born with Down syndrome, I had no idea what that meant. It has been a life of pure joy. It hasn't been easy. I mean, the first five years of Aaron's life, he was in, in the hospital more than he was home. But it's a perspective. I gave thanks in everything. And what your circumstances, whether you are going through a divorce or you just lost your job or your parents are dying or your grandparents or whatever your situation, like Pete already just said, we got to believe it first and then we're going to see it. So whatever your situation is, you have to have a thankful heart. The songs we sang today, if you looked at those words they are so powerful, and we can't just sit there like a bump on a log, and I love the prayer. Oh, that prayer was awesome this morning when she said, we got to get bumps off of a log or whatever she said. It was so awesome. I loved it because it's like we do. we got to quit being bumps on a log 
We gotta get our perspective right because God loves us. And every one of you here, every one of you are called by his name. You're called by his name because you're here. And if you have not committed your life to Christ or you're a sourpuss, sorry to say that, you need to be thankful because you're breathing. You're breathing and you have a story to tell. Every single one of you have a story to tell. Okay, just because I'm up here, okay, your story is just as powerful, and you need to share it. There's somebody that needs to hear your story, and so don't think that you don't have anything. I remember my children would tell me all the time, well, you've got a testimony because you weren't raised in a Christian home. I said, no, 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 stop it. You have an amazing testimony because you don't have to go through what I had to go through. You get to say, you don't have to do this. You don't have to sin. You can be thankful that God pulled you. You know, it's just so, I mean, there's so much more, but the one thing I wanted to end with, um, and I don't know where I put it, if it's on my phone or what, but there, there are so many things to be thankful for. But um, so, okay, so it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, all, not some, all, for this is God's will if you belong to Christ Jesus, and you all belong to Christ Jesus. So give thanks with a grateful heart and look at the perspective differently. There's always a different way to look at it. I heard on the radio the other day, you know how there's the cup that's half full, or is it half empty? Okay, stop looking at the cup at all. Thank God you have a cup. Anybody here ever been called a sourpuss lately? <laughs> I don't think I've heard that in quite some time. That's a good one. Uh, what a great reminder, our perspective and how much that can shift and how easy it is, you know, to even to be one of those people where we can encourage everyone else to look at their own perspective, but we struggle to look at our own perspective and what God is doing in our own life and to, to find those things to be thankful for. All right. Our next one is Brad and Patty Hunter. Will you guys welcome them up here? Good morning, everyone. Well, as Peter mentioned, we're Brad and Patty Hunter, and we stand before you a healed marriage. Were it not for the absolute mercy, forgiveness, and faithfulness of God, we would be another statistic in the divorce column. We've been married over 47 years. Um, <laughs> But um, when, when we were married, we, I had become a new Christian, and thank goodness, I didn't really understand, but we did it in the church before the Lord, and we said our vows, but God was part of that, and I didn't realize it until we hit crisis, how vital it was to have the threefold cord that held us together, so... Um, let's see, because marriage was designed by the Lord, the enemy, Satan, tries to destroy 
the image of God. And um, let's see. He tries to undermine and counterfeit God's original design for something, and marriage is a huge example. We're going to share with you some of God's thoughts toward marriage. Let's go to his original blueprint, the Bible. <laughs> Shocker. And uh, because it really hasn't changed much since Adam and Eve were on the scene. Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. That wasn't me. I was very ashamed. That word that Dorian Being a boy, I love being naked. <laughs> so. <laughs> very true. <laughs> But then, then Jesus said, <laughs> in Matthew. Okay, Matthew. Jesus said, have you not read that he, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So God's original design, the words he spoke to us about marriage is that it's a lifelong covenant between one man and one woman. The world would say that marriage is a contract and there are teams of attorneys that you can hire to help you get out of contracts. And that's what I thought. My parents were divorced when I was in grade school, so I had no clue what it meant to be in a covenant relationship. Whenever major conflict would happen and arise in our home, and it happened, um, I, I, I thought, well, okay, we'll just divorce, we'll divide up everything, which wasn't much, and we'll, uh, I'll be on my way, and that way I won't be a pain in her side. That's actually what I thought. But a covenant is much different. It's for life. When we spoke our vows, we said, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, in the good times and the bad, I, I will, will always, always love, love you. you. Now, we didn't always I know. will always... No. <laughs> you know, as, as we were preparing this, we were, we were driving this weekend. We, we went out of town, and, and we were driving along the road, and I said, we said those vows, I will always love you. And I said, do you always love me? And he said, I don't always like you, but I always love you. Okay. Um, and actually, when I said those vows to Brad in my head, I was thinking for richer or richer, because <laughs> I, I thought that a Christian had the golden ticket, that life would be upwardly mobile, always, you were in a protective bubble, that God had everything and took care of us, and it would always be successful. That there See how the prosperity doctrine really seeped into our thinking as well. It was crazy. But guaranteed, 
When we make our vows, they will be, your covenant will be tested. Over the years, our marriage came under severe attack. Our finances, we were almost bankrupt. In our intimate relationship, I committed the sin of adultery. And in our health, we were both diagnosed with cancer at different times in our lives. And I had chronic fatigue syndrome. And during those times, it felt like my spouse was the enemy. In our heads, we knew that wasn't the case, but it sure It sure felt like it. Nag, 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 nag. The truth is we're complete opposites. You've heard opposites attract? Well, yeah. Um, I'm a clean freak. I'm a messy. Yeah. I like to be on time, which actually means I like to be early. And I always run a little bit late. We saw our marriage as a competition instead of a completion of each other. Jesus said, oh, well, the truth is, my spouse is not my enemy. There is an enemy out there, and we were designed. I have a radar in me that can pick up things, but he's the warrior. And when we're together, we can fight. Back to back, right? We got each other's back. I didn't get that at first, but. When we repent, ask forgiveness, and start doing things God's way again, regardless of what comes against us, He's faithful to help us walk through it. Don't be surprised, however, if it doesn't happen right away. There's a principle called sowing and reaping. And if you're at all familiar with agriculture, you plant a seed one season, and you reap a harvest in another season. So whether it's good or bad seed, you, you can uh, sow some bad seed here, and it'll probably show up in another season, but guaranteed it will show up. It's just the principle of sowing and reaping. But turning things around and doing things God's way ultimately brings blessings. In fact, I felt like I needed to say this um, even before the service began. Uh, Just want to encourage whoever this may be for, don't bolt. Don't be in a hurry. As crazy as things might be right now in your life, don't leave. Don't try to escape the drudgery and the pain of, of your relationship. You're in You're in a covenant. Don't buy into the lies of it. I know it can be better. The kids will adapt. They'll they'll be resilient. Or you don't know what I'm going through. Yes. Yes, we do. Instead, you can end the curse of divorce right here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're changing our family tree from this moment forward. When issues began to show up, regardless of how long they'd been in our marriage, we went back to the foundations. Don't pretend that they're not there or just try to patch up the cracks in the walls by putting plaster and paint on it. Go to the very foundation. Yeah, I came from from a broken home. My father was an alcoholic and... um, 
so I saw the abuse of his uh, addiction, and it, uh, my younger brother and I used to cry ourselves to sleep, praying that dad would stop beating mom. So we understood that when you're raised in something like that, some cracks can show up in your foundation. So you go back to the foundation, go right to the very source of where the hurt and the pain came from so you can deal with it honestly. So my faulty foundations were I was raised in a non-Christian home and I had a worldview that was based on humanism. I was always right. I wasn't a sinner. I just made mistakes. And I'd had a physical violation in my childhood that wounded me and I felt ashamed and I kept it a secret. Does that sound familiar? Didn't we just hear that this morning? And I hid things in our marriage that hurt this one flesh. So don't be afraid to go back to the very core of your foundations of your marriage. Expose everything. Rip it, rip it down like, like sheetrock off of a wall. It's just take it down to the studs. It's demo day. <laughs> marriage is God's idea. We need to silence the profound noise that's out there trying to redefine it. Just a reminder, it's one man and one woman in a covenant relationship with God. He is so faithful. And if he can do it for us, he can do it for you. Amen. I don't know how many of you guys have ever come in the door and had Brad and Patty greet you at the door, and you probably just saw Brad kind of nod his head forward and put out his hand and say, welcome. So glad you're here today. And who was shocked by his theatrics? (laughs) I'm sure the younger kids, you didn't think you were going to have an older guy up here telling you he likes to be naked. (laughs) I mean, as a boy. So, you know what? That was awesome. That was like a whole marriage conference in about seven minutes that we just experienced. But what great truth that we heard as far as stepping out and trusting God in our finances. And it's not just being crazy and giving out. It's, it's the acknowledgement that what we have is his and we're giving him. That's why it's called a first fruit is we're giving him the beginning and saying, Lord, all that I have. I'm not, I'm not just kind of pushing a little off. I, like, I want to acknowledge that you are the giver in my life. You are the provider in my life. The, the, the reminder about our perspective that no matter what's happening, to choose a, perspe- a perspective of thankfulness. It's a choice that you and I each have. We get to choose thankfulness. And then also what a, just a great reminder of covenant. And even just the idea of vulnerability, of being honest with who we are, what's going on in our life, and dealing with that, and trusting that God can make a way in in our life.